So even if you think what I did was a sin, if you think what I did was wrong, I'm still a person. There are other things that make up who I am. That's one small part of a 32-year story. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Hello and welcome to The Dismantle, a show for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. Each week we attempt to dismantle or take apart an issue that has or has the potential to be problematic in the church by having a dialogue with a guest who has insight or experience with the subject. We won't always agree, but we definitely won't argue because the goal is to gain understanding and perspective by sharing our views in a way that builds bridges, not barriers. Our guest this week is Chris North, comic book expert, husband, podcast host of the Sanctum Sanctorum podcast, and my favorite pain in the ass. Chris, welcome to The Dismantle. Thank you. All uh, those things are true. It among is. many other things uh, that make me a delight to it, have around me. A delight is a great word. Well, thank you. I appreciate coming back on. It now, feels good. Now, this stuff. now, guests can listen to your origin story of faith and church on your previous episode. I also like your choice of words. I had to. Or, origin story. <laughs> I like that. Issue one. In issue I, one. Where, where I was with faith. Well, now we're on the rebrand. And uh, just give a brief recap of your faith and your church background. Uh, I mean, in, in the simplest forms, I grew up in the church. My parents were both very involved in the church. I did all the... Youth, I did all the kids stuff, all the cantatas, all the Christmas plays, all the youth group stuff. My dad's a pastor. I, you know, went went on went on mission trips, did service day, you know, service work days, all that kind of stuff. So anything that you could do in church as a church kid, I took part in. Yeah, I did. I did all that stuff well into adulthood and. You know, I've I've written plays for church. I've played in worship teams in various places. That's I how we met. Worked for a missions organization. That's yep. how we met. And so, uh, church uh, has been a huge part of my life for the entirety of my thirty-two years. Sure. So. And one of the things I love that you said with the last episode is that you have seriously strong faith, but the church poses a bit more problematic for you. Yeah, I, I would say my my faith is very strong, but doctrinally and I, you know in in some specific ways, I just have a lot of issues with the church, and it's you know something that's continuing to develop for me. But I feel like most most uh, of the conservative Christians that I know, I don't quite see eye to eye. Sure, on everything, I definitely have a bit of a more liberal faith. Yeah. Uh, than some. And that's great, especially when you deal with topics like what we're going to talk about today. Uh, yep. Great segue of our topic today on The Dismantle is the topic of divorce. Uh, Malachi 2.16 in the King James Version saith this, For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away, or divorceth, in the King James. <laughs> and if you want to find exercise, if you're listening, Google King James homosexuality and just see what pops up. That'll be a fun little exercise and homework assignment for you. But this topic. Fun. Uh, yeah, uh, fun. Uh, is that like, like fun in quotations? Maybe. Absolutely it is. Uh, but this is a topic that many are familiar with, whether it's a parent or a family member. The statistics are staggeringly high for humans, forget your religious bent for just a second or even your tradition, just the, the divorce rate is a high one. Um, but 
Chris, the topic of divorce, sadly, is a personal one for you. It is, yes. With as much transparency as you prefer, um, can you tell me about your first marriage? Yeah. Um, so I, I am currently married mm-hmm. to a, an amazing woman who I love very much, but she is my second wife. I met my first wife, um, and I think I would prefer to uh, leave names out of it. Absolutely. Because you never know, you know, six degrees of Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon connections, you never know. So I think sure. I'd rather leave names out of it. But sure. I met her through uh, a missions organization that I worked with for several years called Youth with a Mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met there doing a uh, discipleship training program, and we started dating and got married. And in the beginnings of our relationship, things were, you know, fine. She she came from a very troubled home life and a very troubled background. and. Mm-hmm. A lot of that kind of came out as our relationship developed. And I've always been the kind of person who wants to rescue and Mm. fix. So I was determined not to give up. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of accused me of not being on the same page with her as far as the relationship was concerned. So I thought, okay, maybe she's right. We should, we should get married. So Mm. We did that, and we uh, we moved, uh, started a life together, and it was just a uh, tremulous relationship. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of verbal and emotional abuse on her end, which led into a lot of self-esteem issues for me that I had growing up. It just kind of exacerbated them sure. to where I was unable to perform sexually. I was unable to express how I was really feeling because I was afraid that it was just going to set her off. I would find reasons to not want to be home much because mm-hmm. I'd rather have a good night Without and have her. it not end in a fight. So I'd rather yeah. not try to do anything. And um, no, no one who was close to me in my life, necessarily said I don't think you should be together Mm -hmm. but warned me without using so many words that like think carefully remember that problems you have when you're dating get worse when you get married Mm. marriage doesn't fix anything having a baby doesn't fix anything problems you have with another person the deeper the relationship goes the the harder the problems become if you choose not to deal with them yeah you know so I experienced that firsthand and she um she took me out to dinner mm-hmm. and wanted to go see a movie that I was really interested in seeing that she was not and and as sad as it is to say the fact that she was being really nice and considerate to me felt weird yeah but I also was enjoying it so mm-hmm. I was like oh, this is great maybe we're maybe we're on the road to Healing, and she, uh, you know, asked me for a divorce. She said, you know, I think we should get divorced. Um, and I fought for almost a year against that before I, I finally had to. I realized that I was fighting for two people alone. Yeah. Fighting for a relationship that two people are involved in by yourself is exhausting and can't always be done. Hmm. And so I, I eventually just had to uh, concede and uh, it ended. 
And it ended. So I'm sure for myself, but also for the listeners of the show, we don't want to unearth a personal issue in a newscaster scenario. I don't want to dive into issues asking for detail that you're not willing to give. So I want to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the marriage didn't end just because it wasn't working. You know, that's a very surfacey kind of. Right. Yeah. We felt, you know, it's easy to say we fell out of love. Right. We, there was too much going on. Mm-hmm. We weren't connecting anymore. Right. That wasn't what your experience was, correct? Not, not exactly. I mean, those things are true, mm-hmm. but I, I was fighting hard um, to stay in this marriage despite the, the way I was feeling about it. Like yeah. I, it was, it was not good. It was not healthy. She had stopped. Um, she had stopped having any interest in church. She had stopped believing anything about God or faith, or it stopped being important to her hmm. at all. And she began an emotional relationship with another person hmm. um, that I found out about. And I don't know how soon a physical relationship started with this other person, but it was, she had started taking a, uh, like salsa dancing yeah, and, um, met someone through there that they would send text messages that would bring that little romantic smile to her face that I wasn't anymore. I found a card around Christmas time mm. that wasn't from you. That was not from me and yeah. was not something you give to, you know, just a buddy. Sure. You know what I mean? So uh, it was definitely uh, an emotional affair that was going on, likely somewhat physically. And I know that they got together very soon after we decided to separate. So mm-hmm. we weren't a f- legally finished before that relationship started. Yeah. And that also wasn't the first time that it happened. You know, she had had an affair with somebody when we were dating. Mm. And I just felt like, you know, it's it's okay. We're going to work through this. Yeah. I forgive you. I love you. Almost a Hosea type scenario. Yeah. Where it's like, nope, God's called me into this and this is a good thing. Yeah, and I'm and going I, to, you know, like you had said before, I'm going to fix this. I, and I felt that so strongly. Like other people would would give up on this if that happened to them. I'm going to be better than that. I'm going to be more of a man of God. I'm going to be a better boyfriend and a better partner because I'm going to forgive you and push through it. And this will be part of our story Mm. of like strength. And maybe that was just naivete. Maybe it was stupidity. Maybe a little of all of that. Yeah. And how old were you at this point? When we were dating? Sure. Or or in the marriage. In the marriage. In the marriage, when that happened, uh, let's see, we got married. Oh, I was maybe, I think, 24. Okay. 25. And the marriage lasted not quite two years. Okay. But we we were dating for about three. We were engaged for one, married for almost two. Yeah. So it was almost a six, seven-year relationship. So even though this was something you were willing to work on, something you wanted to try to repair, she still filed. Well, I I agreed and we went and filed okay. together because okay. we didn't want to fight over money sure. over this. You know, we kind of divided up like you owe the money for this, you owe the money, I'll owe the money for that. Just absolved of the. This is the furniture that I want to take. Yeah. And I'm going to find a new place to go. 
that way it wasn't i didn't want a court battle i didn't want yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah. i wanted just an amicable as possible mm-hmm. split of everything i imagine this was probably up until this point in your life the most difficult thing you've ever had to experience um definitely high up on the list yeah I, uh, well not just from a physical or spiritual but also the emotional side of oh, everything absolutely absolutely because it was you know i went through all this for nothing my my parents had given her a place to live yeah. when she was thrown out of her house they had loaned us money when we were in need they treated her like family mm. so it was like I I don't I deserve better than than this. Like this is yeah. this is what I get after everything that I've done. So yeah, I mean there was there was a physical component, an emotional component, a spiritual component, all of which were bad components. Like sure. there was nothing that was good at the time. Yeah. About this happening. So I'm smi- I'm smiling because it gives me cringe, but I feel like we have to we have to say it. Um, because we want a balanced show, right? Mm-hmm. There's different flavors of Christianity and there's different views on, on this issue. Um, but as Christians, I think a universally held uh, view is that the Bible is kind of our go-to with issues. Not that necessarily that it solves everything, but it probably either offers solutions or at least wisdom for certain situations. Right. Especially ones that have to do with dealing with other people, dealing with relationships, dealing with, you know, parents, spouses, children. You Mm -hmm. know, the Bible does have a lot to say about those relationships, familial relationships. Yes. And the Bible does have verses about divorce, like the one that we opened up with in the in the first segment, uh, Jesus equates divorce to adultery, if for any reason other than immorality in Matthew 5, which in my opinion fits your criteria. Mm. Um, each of the Gospels has a flavor to its narrative on divorce. Jesus equates it to adultery. First Corinthians talks about marriage, that those vows go to the grave. Matthew even says that Jesus' earth dad, Joseph, was planning on divorcing Mary quietly due to the seeming uh, infidelity issues. Impropriety, yeah. infidelity, the scandal that would ensue, absolutely. So let me ask you, Chris, do you think these verses are contextual, only applying to the time and the culture, or is this one of those Bible truths that transcends the book? I've, I feel like yes and no. Okay. I feel like that there... I believe that marriage vows should go to the grave. I think that marriage is sacred. I think it's, it's a sacred partnership that... Mm-hmm. If you can have with one person, you know, save, you know, if you have a partner or a spouse who has passed away mm-hmm. or something like that, and you're able to find that love again, that's wonderful. But I, I'd like to think that, you know, marriage should be indelible and that there's nothing you can't overcome together. Mm. However, if you're doing it, if you're doing marriage alone, what, what 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 are you doing? Like yeah. I I had a spouse that walked away from God, walked away from me, walked away from wanting to try and fix it, and went to another person. You know, Jesus says in Matthew that save for immorality, divorce should never be an option. Paul also says if they abandon the relationship, hmm. you're you're no longer you're no longer tied to that because they have abandoned it. Right. Now, physically, we were still married. We still lived in the same place. But 
emotionally, spiritually, mentally, she was checked out, man. Yeah. You know, she was, she was, so I was abandoned in all ways except bodily abandoned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there was the immorality factor. Right. You know, whether, whether it was physical at the time or how much it was, doesn't matter. There was definitely an emotional infidelity. Right. Which Jesus there was also. A mental infidelity. And that stuff is just as, you know, yeah, Jesus, Jesus addresses talks about that. that stuff too. You know, if you hate your brother, that's the same as killing. Right. Them. If you look if you at a lust woman, of, yeah. after someone, it's the same as screwing them. You exactly. Know? So, so to that, me, that that all fit that criteria, and it was it was rough to come to grips with, and I was worried about how it was going to look and what it was going to yeah. be like. But I I didn't feel like. I couldn't I couldn't come to grips with the idea that God would want me to stay in this relationship with someone who wasn't interested in being involved in it, who was interested in someone else and I just was miserable. Yeah. You know for for sexual gratification, I turned to porn because I wasn't getting it mm-hmm. anywhere else because I was so put down. Right. For emotional gratification, I was looking to friendships to have that deep connection with because I wasn't getting it from the person I should Mm. have getting it. And I'm not saying that to be like, well, I'm not getting it from you. So I should get it somewhere else. Right. Because there's me, 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 but there was a deep rejection on every level. Exactly. If I'm being rejected from the one person who should never reject me, I, I need, you know, you need that emotional connection. You need that physical connection. And that's not in a, that's not in a chauvinistic way to say, uh, you have to accept me. That was inherent in the marriage vows. Right. That for better or worse, for richer or poorer, regardless of how I'm feeling today, we're in this. We're in this together. And I'm yeah. not saying that, you know, if we're mad at each other, we should still, you know, snuggle and watch a movie. We should still sure. go have sex. We should still have a deep love conversation. Yeah. No, like, obviously, you know, if we're going through something, we need to deal with it. But, we're going we to deal with it. We need to deal with it. We. Right. Not, not me or you. We need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that alone, what, what's the, what marriage? Yeah. You know what I mean? What was your family's response? Um... I don't have a close relationship with my sister, so she was sorry that mm-hmm. it it happened, but I didn't talk with her um, in much detail about it. My parents were sad for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they talked me through a lot of the should I should I stay or should I go? Should I fight for this yeah. alone? How long do I keep going? They helped me through dealing with a lot of that and feeling a little more at ease about the spiritual aspect of divorce and how no, no, that is in the Christian faith. Yeah. Um, but they, they were a hundred percent supportive without being like, Oh, thank God. Cause she was a nightmare. Right, right, right. You know, but they were, they were very supportive of me and were, were willing to help me in any way that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my extended family, you know, who are very conservative, never really talked about it. It was mm-hmm. like they found out about it and it was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But moving on, 
at this at this point we had already started thinking very differently about other other theological issues sure. and other other things that they bring up in the church like music and content and homosexuality divorce you know all that kind of stuff and the so rift was already the rift was already starting yeah. to form so there was never going to be a deep conversation about how how are you feeling yeah. what what's your spiritual life like now that that's happened you know yada yada that was never going to be something that happened with them anyway sure but my immediate family was very comforting and and definitely supported me throughout the the process as best they could yeah that's great um that was the family response let's talk about the church response what were uh what was the response of the church you were at at the time maybe the church you know bigger picture like did you did you get the certain platitudes and the tropes that came your way or or was it more of a a similar experience with your family i had kind of a little bit of both Hmm. um I wasn't going regularly anywhere at the time okay. when, when that all really like went to hell. So sure. I, it's not like we were known for being a couple in this church and all of a sudden I was alone. Hmm. Um, when she decided not to go, when she decided that the relationship was over, we were in a small group who then asked us not to come back because it was for, married couples and I was coming alone because I was still, you know, I still had relationships with those people and I yeah. was looking for answers. That's you know, exactly or, what Jesus would have done. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so that, that was really difficult. Um, I started attending another church by myself. People kind of, you know, people that I met kind of knew I was married, knew the relationship was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people talked to me about it as it ended and as we went through the process. Um, some people from, you know, the Youth with a Mission mm-hmm. where we had met, some people were very just, man, I'm really sorry. Let me know if you need to talk. Other people were, I love you, but like, you know, this is what the Bible says about that. And mm. I mean, is there any way you can fix it? Is there any way sure. you can get get it better? And, you know, I, I had to explain to them, no. Yeah, which if you think about, you know, even as you're saying that, what's coming to mind is, okay, I have a very narrow-minded view on what the Bible says about this. So rather than err on the side of unknown, rather than lean into a little bit gray of an area, mm. can't you just suck it up for me? Can't yeah. you just... And the problem is that people people just read those verses that you that you mentioned before mm-hmm. when they make up their opinion on this. And it's right. like, well, divorce mind. God, God says, don't do it. So, so uh, you so. believe in God. So right. don't do it mm-hmm. where, well, here, here are some instances where both Jesus and Paul say that it's not, obviously it's not, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. It's not even recommended, right? But it's, acceptable sure you know and i i think there's some gray in that as well but even if you want to get legalistic about it there are instances in which you can it's okay right you can get away with it even though you won't be condemned for it if these are the reasons and it's like you didn't take the time to ask me what were the reasons before you said "Are, are you sure that's the answer i didn't make that choice yeah no one said hey chris let's go get a beer Let's go talk about this. No, they didn't. And 
I don't know who talked to her mm-hmm. about the reasons or or what have you, but nobody seemed to ask, is this something you wanted? Because it mm. wasn't at the time. I'm glad on the other side. Right, right. But at the time, it wasn't what I wanted to happen. So hearing that I shouldn't do what I didn't want to happen in the first place, not helpful. Mm. You know? And it was... A little striking for me to think about, okay, the Bible says no divorce, no divorce, no divorce. But in the instance of Joseph that we talked about before, it says that that was what his plan was. But it also says in other verses, he was an upright guy. He was a guy of high character, Mm -hmm. well-respected. It never says that the intention to do that, or even if he was going to execute that, was wrong. It doesn't. And in fact, it says that he was going to do it secretly and privately to protect her and protect the child and protect himself. Mm -hmm. He didn't want anything bad to happen to this woman he cared about, but he also recognized this doesn't make sense. This this isn't how this should be working. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you know, somebody knocked you up. So I can't have that, but I also don't want anything bad to happen to you. So we'll do it quietly. Right. That way. Nobody, nobody who doesn't have to know doesn't have to know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and I respect that. It, uh, it was what needed to be done, but it wasn't my choice. Right. And people seemed to forget to ask that part mm. more often than more often than not. Right. Since you're a comic book podcast host, let's make a comic comparison. Oh, all right. <laughs> In the amazing, unbelievable film of Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh I feel like this episode has just ended. (laughs) You're trying to make me hurt more after already talking about this? Yeah. Uh, After the thing is revealed to be this hulking monster that he's perceived as, he screams, what are you looking at? There's Mm -hmm. a crowd that's kind of looking at him, staring at him, almost judging him. Uh, But he's angry with his situation. He knows that the people are casting judgment. And internally, he's dealing with emotions that he's never felt before. Is that a similar experience with how you felt going back to church. Knowing that people are casting unjust conclusions all the while you're trying to wrestle with internal shit. Like I'm not sure that I was worried about people in general. Okay. Like looking at me going, Oh, that's the divorced guy over there. Um, I think the one thing that I was that I was worried about. I I always felt like God had created me with, with the personality that I have to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that there, there are beliefs of like people who are blessed with singleness, people who are sure God has intended to be single for their life. And you know, whether, whether or not you agree with that is whatever. I don't believe that I am one of those people. Fair enough. And I, I never have. My concern was that what if I were to meet someone that I have deep feelings for, that I develop, you know, great feelings for and want to pursue romantically in a way that other people my age when they meet and they talk about their exes, they talk about what maybe some of their sexual experiences were, Mm -hmm. their relational history. As a part of that, I would have to say, I have an ex-wife. I don't have an ex-girlfriend. I have an ex-wife. Right. And how that would sit 
with someone because I didn't know how that would sit with me if I was on the receiving end of that, of seeing this person that I'm interested in and them telling me, oh, I have an ex-husband. Just, I want to make you aware. Sure. I didn't think any, anyone, any potential partner, any potential spouse would be okay with that because of the age that I was. Mm. I feel like if I was in my 40s, 50s, 50s, would be, for whatever reason, that would feel differently. But to be like, yeah, I got married at 26, I got divorced at 28, you know, roundabouts. Yeah, yeah. You know, just just so you know. And that was that was something that my my wife now had a hard time with when we were dating because mm-hmm. she was raised very conservatively with the, you know, when you marry, you marry one person right. for life. Mm. You know, divorce is a dirty word. Like that's yeah. not an option kind of thing. And it was hard for her to come to grips with, I don't should you marry again? Is that what God would want? Mm. Should I be the one? To be with you, you know, all this, all this stuff. And we, you know, obviously yeah, yeah. since we're married, we were able to work through that and to, to gain f- some understanding. But I just feel like, um, it was a fun wedding, by the way. It was, uh, yes, it was, it was good <laughs> stuff. I just, uh, I was concerned that no one, no one romantically that I was interested in would be able to look past that hmm. more than I was concerned about any any other kind of relationship sure. because my my feeling has always been acceptance of anybody for whatever their thing is whatever yeah, yeah. their you know i i have a friend who had uh, you know who was a teen mom who had a kid out of wedlock i mm-hmm. have friends who are gay i have friends who have had history with the mob Oh, you should send me their email. I, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I have people who are sure. have all kinds of stuff, yeah, that they dealt with. So that didn't concern me, mm-hmm. but somebody that I open up to completely, am completely vulnerable with, yeah. are they going to accept that part of my history? I feel like if I had a kid, mm-hmm. you know, because me and my girlfriend got pregnant and I had a kid. Or I slept around a lot until I came to realize that that wasn't the right thing to do. I felt like something like that would be easier for yeah. someone to accept as a whole package right. than the D word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was it was totally. that, that word. Because what's associated what, is what did it. Yeah, and what's associated, I think, within a conservative mindset, and I can speak to this having come from it, is emotions of um flightiness of failure mm-hmm. feelings of infidelity like and all of these are completely without context and conversation so they're mm-hmm. completely unjustified um but you say kid out of wedlock okay there was no commitment there there was no right. contract you, can say, you know we we made a mistake and right we wanted to you know do the right thing but we weren't meant to be together and now we just share parenting duties of this wonderful kid this this you know know, this diamond in the rough of of this shithole it's almost as though we look at god uh and and we look at the world around us and go well if you've got the paperwork then we're good right but if you don't have the paperwork uh or, or almost the other way around if you've got the paperwork then that's worse because you signed but if you didn't sign 
all right, you made a mistake. Right. It's, but, a, it's a mistake if there mm-hmm. was no commitment level. Exactly. There's no contract. Exactly. God does love paperwork. Um, now, the other side of the same coin, do you still experience the judgmental stares or the side eye if people do find out that you're on marriage number two? Um, I mean, it's not the, to me, the people whose opinions matter in my life are all aware of that. Sure. Uh, you know, even people that come into my life who, who weren't in my life when that was going on, but that I meet now, Mm -hmm. you know, as time goes by and we get to know each other and, you know, we share things about each other that inevitably comes up. I think I'm a good example of that. You and I met right after your divorce had happened, never came up, never talked about it, but then we started playing together and we started finding commonality and we we were talking about doing a show and it was almost like, all right, you're divorced, whatever. It it just, right. Yeah. That's how it should be. It should develop. Uh, de- it should uh, naturally develop mm-hmm. in conversation. As here's another part of my life right. that I want you to be a part of because I care about you because mm-hmm. we have this relationship, whatever. Um, but I don't. I I don't think about judgment now because to me that was a completely different life. Yeah, my life started when I met Marissa. Mm-hmm. Um, who's my wife now. And that was when that part of my life really started because she is the person that was created to be with me. Mm -hmm. It took, I I took a real sucky road to get there, but that's where my journey in the second part of my life really started. You know? And now you have to share Marissa, Marissa with me. Right. Well, I mean, you guys have to share me as the, <laughs> yeah, I know it's hard. It is tough. Um, Chris, what would you say to somebody who's going through this currently? Somebody who is knee deep, even waist deep in church culture, going through a tough relationship, maybe even going through a divorce and really doesn't know who to talk to, what to say, how to process any of this, you know, what's something that you could, you could kind of share from your perspective. I think the the first thing I would want to say to somebody going through that is this does not define who you are. Mm. This is something sucky. It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt whether it's amicable or not, whether you're the uh, pursuer of it or the other person is. Doesn't matter. It's going to suck. But it doesn't define you as a person. It mm. is a part of your life. It is a piece of your story that will always be a piece of your story, but it is not who you are. It's just something you did. Hmm. And if someone can't see that, they're not worth hearing that part of your story. Sure. If they're not willing to see you beyond this thing that you did, this thing you were a part of, whether it was right or wrong. You don't, you don't need that, especially now. Yeah. You don't need that in your life. I always say, uh, concerning family, you'll, you'll be treated like family when you start acting like family. Mm -hmm. 
and, and this similarly, the word that popped into my mind when you were talking was, uh, it's a privilege to be on this side of you sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a privilege to me knowing that there's trust, there's relationship, there's there's love between you and I to be able to dive to this level and not everyone is privileged enough to go to that level or even um, or, or or even needs to be brought to that level. Yeah, you know, there there are people who know, there are people in my life who don't know anything other than Marissa. Hmm. There are people who know that I had a marriage before. It wasn't a good one. We split. Life went on. Sure. And then there are some people who know, like the I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that my therapist and my wife are the only people that know, like the deepest, darkest details sure. of what happened. And but now our listeners, those and and now all our <laughs> listeners. But those are that's earned. Yeah, you know that's that's earned, like you said, through trust, mm. through companionship, through building a relationship. That that stuff is earned. Or I pay for it through my medical insurance. Right. <laughs> but um, not not everybody can have that sure. privilege. And, and not think, everybody should. And I think that's a nice, uh, uh, not just nice, but an important thing to say for someone who's walking with someone who's experiencing this. Mm-hmm. If you don't have trust earned, if you if that relationship is not earned, don't go seeking it out. Now's not the time to be like, okay, tell me all your shit. It's not appropriate at all. Unless it's something that you can relate to. Mm. I feel like if you, if this, if, if you were going through a divorce mm-hmm. I, and we, and we didn't have the relationship that we do, I would be more inclined to share much more of my story with you so that you could see if you think that I'm okay. Yeah. Here's what happened here's, to me. Here's hope for you. You can be okay. Yeah. You can find this. You can move on from this. You can get through this. Right. You know, so I think I think if it's not earned and there's no commonality mm. in 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 story. Yeah. You know, you you that has to be earned. You have sure. to you have there has to be trust built in order to to do that. You need trust in a good marriage. Mm-hmm. You need trust in in a good relationship of any kind, mm. you know. And with that, Chris, what does the church need to start doing? Need to stop doing? Like, how can how can the big C church start engaging on this issue of divorce? Because it's not going anywhere. No, it's it's not. It's a huge part of human culture. Yeah, I think like so many things, when it's talked about. It's negative. Mm-hmm. And that's if it's talked about at all. It's one of those things that, you know, people don't want to bring up. People don't want to talk about what the Bible says, what the Bible doesn't say. Is it right or wrong? You know, whatever. People don't want to talk about it. Right. The first step is be honest about how you feel about it. It's okay if you think that getting divorced is wrong. Sure. It's okay. But let's have a conversation about it. Stand behind what you believe and be willing to mm-hmm. hear someone else. Listen to my story and then tell me, do you still think that what I did was wrong? Right. 
if you do, what what do you think I should have done? What what would have been what you would do in it's that just, situation? It's like just dialogue. Create a conversation yep. about it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Is the one is one thing. The second thing is see the person, not the deed. Hmm. Jesus did that with the adulterous woman. He saw her value before he saw her sin. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even if you think what I did was a sin, if you think what I did was wrong, I'm still a person. Right. There are other things that make up who I am. That's one small part of a 32-year story mm -hmm. that has good and bad, ups and downs, right things and wrong things in it. See me as a whole person, not not as a mistake. Mm. Or, you know, if that's if that's how you view it, don't see me as a divorced person. See me as a person who has this as a part of their life. Sure. And hear that story before you make a judgment call on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Powerful, dude. Thank you. Um, as we close, Chris, where can people find you online? Maybe something you're working on, uh, something from culture you're digging right now. What's going on? Uh, well, I'm still uh, doing the Sanctum Sanctorum podcast, which will um, re-up again in the fall. And uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook in a group called The Multiverse. Uh, you can follow me personally on Instagram at browncoatzombie. Um, culturally, I'm really digging season two of Luke Cage nice. on Netflix. So if you haven't started watching that, of the Netflix shows, to me, Luke Cage is the strongest of the shows. And uh, this, is, this has a really good message, really good characters, a really strong black female lead, mm. which... You know, it's something that we don't get too often. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really great. It's a really great show. Watch it. That would be my recommendation for this episode is uh, go watch Luke Cage. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you making the time. Oh, my pleasure. And that wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. We'd love to hear your thoughts today on the topic discussed, your experience, and ways that we can continue to create community. Visit our website at dismantlepod.com. And until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. You've been listening to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Visit us at dismantlepod.com.